Coming up on The Bridge, Farzad Rashidi, co-founder of Respana, jumps on the show to talk about all things SEO and specifically the process that he and his team went through to calculate their own customer acquisition costs to find the channel that best fit their business and ultimately led to them spinning out Respana. We go back in time for a brief history on SEO, a couple of specific hacks that founders can apply to grow their own business, selfishly for podcasters like myself to grow their listener base, and then how far is that actually hack the system to land an interview on this show. And then we talk about the founder's dilemma of balancing speed with quality. When is it too early to ship your product versus waiting to make sure QA everything? Farzad's got a lot of uh, solid war scars and battle-tested stories on that. So, again, a really great interview with him and appreciate him making the time and hacking his way to get on the bridge. So, without further ado, let's get in to the show. Giddy up. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, Asian again. For a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your host, Justin Vandehey, here at The Bridge Podcast. Every week we have founders sharing their stories about taking their ventures from zero to one. This week on the show, we've got an exceptional founder in, co-founder of Respana. He's an expert in all things SEO, so pumped to have him in to talk about the company, what they're building, and how to help founders be better about their SEO strategies. Farzad Rashidi, welcome into the bridge, my friend. Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm excited. Yeah, so give you a little precursor on what we're going to be talking about, but I'd love to actually just start on the show. We open it up with intros. Love to hear about your background specifically, and then, yeah, the founding story behind Respana, because I know it's, it's sort of been an interesting journey with the company. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, for folks who don't know our parent company, have you heard of Visme, Justin? Yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep. So it's, 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 it's more of an upmarket version of Camel, the way I will put it in, in like one sentence. But basically, it helps businesses create all sorts of graphics and, and uh, visual content. And I joined as the first marketing hire. And we're a completely bootstrap company. So we're dealing with shoestrings and uh, my job was just to figure out the customer acquisition strategy and very soon we landed on seo and and content and that sort of was an idea at the time we failed miserably a few times the first couple times we tried it but eventually got the hang of it now business gets over 3 million visitors to their website every month over 23 million active users and and basically the way we accomplished that was by in proportion amount of focus on our uh, outreach and off-page SEO in a way. Because a lot of companies just pump on a bunch of content, use this AI tools to click and generate the blog post and they think they're done. So 
that's a starting point. <laughs> what becomes difficult after is to how do you actually build credibility in eyes of search engines like Google to help you basically get up in the search results or now from the new search experience to actually reference you in the AI results that are going to be generated. So long story short, we built Respond as a standalone. It was it was an internal product at the beginning to, to help us put together all these processes under one roof and just work ridiculously well. So we decided to release it as a standalone product. And that was back in 2019. And the rest is history. So again, you've got an SEO noob here on the side of the table. So you talked about outbound. I, I just love maybe if you could just school the audience. You don't have to go super deep on this, but <laughs> even just that distinction, because my assumption was like, you know what? You just throw a shitload of content out there and eventually the Google gods will index it if it takes off or not. So mm -hmm. clearly there's a more programmatic, strategic way to do this. <laughs> so yeah, maybe even just like clarifying the distinction between both of those approaches. And then I had a couple of questions about Respana specifically. You, you got it. So. That's exactly what we thought before uh, we figured it out, right? So we were like, okay, and that's exactly what we did too. We just started hiring a bunch of writers. So we put together blog posts, build a bunch of landing pages, and put on a website. And we waited <laughs> for weeks, and we had like three visitors. And I'm pretty confident one of them was my mom. So <laughs> <it's> down two, <laughs> really. <laughs> so basically... It, it was just not working. Nothing was taken off. And we were like, let's try to figure this out because our alternatives didn't make any sense. So first of all, I'm a big promoter of what doubled on and what's working. So what we were working at the time wasn't working. <laughs> so we tried cold outreach route outbound and it works phenomenally well for B2B SaaS, but our price point was very low. We were at like 15, 20 bucks a month price range. So mm. for that level, it doesn't make economic sense for you to go hire SDRs and AEs to go door to door. Paid ads also wasn't a big driver of traffic for us because we were in an extremely competitive space. And at the same time, as a bootstrap company, cash is always restrained. But that wasn't the biggest issue. The biggest issue was diminishing returns. So what happens when you dial up the ads is you, like you double the budget, you don't double the conversion. So at some mm -hmm. point, your LTV starts catching over to CAC. So you're stuck there. There's nothing else you can do. So it wasn't a sustainable growth channel. And Sure, a lot of people experiment with it had a similar experience. So we, we were stuck. We're like, how do we get customers in at a at a price point that's below our LTV? And um, so we put ourselves in the shoes of a customer. Like, what would I do if I if I so let me ask you this, Justin. Let's say you want to create an infographic or some sort of visual for this presentation or for this episode. What's the first thing you do when you when it comes to finding a new software? I mean, you go to the search engines. That's so you it. Google it, right? So that's it's normally it. step yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, and then you start Googling some terms, et cetera. So now here, let me ask you a question. Can you do me a favor, actually, Justin? Can you open a new, like, incognito tab in your Chrome yeah. so that your existing search history doesn't impact? And just go Google, for example, one of our key terms. We got to scrub the search history. That's for sure. We want to make sure oh. that you're here on. No, just like, <laughs> Thank God this is an audio-only podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Close all the tabs, Justin. We don't, we're not going to. Here we go. Yeah. Embarrass you. Anyway, so if you want to go ahead and just Google one of our uh, key terms, which is like presentation software. Let's do it. I'm doing this with you as well. All right. So when you Google this, you see how right under the search bar, Google tells you how many search results you found at the bottom, like about X many results in like yeah. 0.6 seconds. How many, what's that number do you see? How many search mm, results come up? Let's see. Jesus Christ. 1.2 billion. 
1.2 billion. I got 1.3 billion. Yeah, and then, like, what are you seeing the organic results? Like, obviously, you're going to ignore the ads. What are you, yeah. what are you seeing the, in the organic? What's the number one? Visme. There you go. Look at that. Okay. Yep. So let's, let's reverse engineer this real quick. So let me tell you the story about that. So it was around over a billion search results for that keyword at the time when we started. And we were like, okay, if you're Google and you're trying to rank a page, say you're in the top 1% in terms of quality of content, however way you want to define it. So let's say you're trustworthy, the content's good, it's responsive, it loads fast, it's pretty. You're in the top 1% of 1 billion competitors. So yeah. you're still in the tens of millions of searches. So how do you go in the top 10 or actually get prioritized to the point that you get basically any traffic? So I need to give you a little history lesson. I wanted to keep it very short. Basically, the way Google beat other search engines at the time, there was Yahoo and AOL and Bing and all sorts of competitors. So the way they won market share was by developing this algorithm called PageRank, which I thought is because they rank pages. Apparently, it's not true. It's because of their page came up with it. Anyway, random tool. So basically, what happened was all the searches, all, all the search engines were ranking pages based on the content that was on the page. And marketers ruined everything. So they were just stuffing keywords on the pages, et cetera. And it was just junk results. And what Google did was like, let's not only care about what's on the page. Let's also, just like how academic articles are valued by how many other good citations you get, based on our principle, let's see what other websites are, are mentioning and talking about this website. Hmm. That you can't fake, right? It's not under your control. It's, under, it's up to other people to vote for you. And that voting system is still is measured by links. Basically, what, when other websites in your space are talking about you and then inevitably linking to your website, it's a vote of popularity, something that's been the same for over 20 years. And so Google's become smart, obviously, to you know, filter out like the user-generated content, so like links from Facebook, et cetera, that they don't help you. So stuff that you can manipulate has gone away. So the only thing that's remained is actually getting other people in your space that are legitimate resources to mention you and talk about you. Now, that's how the search results improve, because that's something you can hack, right? And we're like, great. <laughs> let's go do that all right so like and it turned out a lot harder said than done so basically we were finding other websites in our space and try to see what are some of the ways and how we can collaborate with them and reaching out to them and all that stuff was done manually using a bunch of data miners and, and people in, in the u.s and it's a very clunky process so we built a software that kind of helped us Streamlined the whole flow. It was an ugly looking internal tool at the beginning, and it just worked ridiculously well. And mm -hmm. when I say ridiculous, like it means like 20x our productivity. And then basically, we're like, hey, let's see if other people want to pay for this. Because, uh, you know, we've put in all this time and effort. Might as well see if, if it can help other people. So we put it out, took off. And, and when I said took off, it means we got a handful of customers paying for it. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then the rest was history. Okay, take the bridge, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna selfishly, I'm going to pick your brain on this. Sure. And I think the way, actually, that you got in touch with me about this podcast was phenomenal. I'd be curious to hear how you're thinking about content, aside from search directly. Mm -hmm. What are some things, tactically, that you think content creators could be doing to improve yeah. where they show up in some of these lists? Yeah, so the thing is, going back to my original thought process, right? How 
does your audience find you? Now, let me ask you this. How often have you come across an article on Google and you signed up for or subscribed to a podcast? Never. Never. Right? I, I don't remember me doing that either. Yeah. Because it's a different medium. Right. So... So I don't think SEO is the right fit for a podcast at all. Mm. I don't think it's an initiative worth doing. However, Disco or CultureAmp is a perfect example of this. Because if I'm looking for an employee engagement platform, that's the first place where I start looking, right? Yep. So it would make a lot more sense for CultureAmp, and I'm sure they already are because you guys are a giant company, to invest in that. And, and it's tough. It's not like a simple thing you can plug and play. It, it requires constant work because there's so much competition out there. So it, that's, that's, that's something that, number one, I think founders need to ask themselves, is that how does your employee, first of all, are your employees aware of the problem you're solving? Because if you have a nice app product or something that's never been done before, they probably don't even know exists or, or have that problem in the first place. So if the answer is yes, they know that they have this problem. Okay, second question is, where are they looking to solve that problem? And if the answer to that is they, they Google it, then it's almost idiotic for you not to invest in your SEO. Yeah. And it has to be a core part of your initiative. But if the answer to any of these questions is no, then other methods work better. Like one of my friends works at this company and they sell a million dollar MRI machines. And they're like, hey, we want to throw a hundred K at our SEO. I'm like, no, don't do that. That's a waste of money. Just give it to me. I'll put it in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to throw it down the toilet, you know, because that's not how your customers find an MRI machine. You need to hire sales. Like, how do you acquire your customers right now? They're like, we have a sales team. Right? All right. Hire one more salespeople, pay them 100K. They're going to bring in half a million, at least in sales. Go door to door to hospitals, start selling to doctors or whatever your sales process looks like. Same goes for enterprise SaaS. Or on the other hand, if you have a lifestyle product, you got a hoodie company or you sell apparel, stuff like that, that most likely you won't Google that, right? So right. go build your retail strategy, maybe get into Nordstrom or maybe invest in TikTok influencers or, or do funny dances or I don't know what, how e-commerce works. So yeah. this is not the right strategy for you. And so answering those questions is extremely important. But again, some e-commerce products we have amazing success with. Like, for example, loop earplugs. We, we're doing a case study with them. So if, I, if I'm going to a concert and I'm looking for like earplugs, that's the first thing I do is just Google it. And, and they're doing phenomenal with that. And it, especially their affiliates, right? So they uh, have a ton of, uh, they have influencer marketing as well. But that, that's sort of a core part of business. So understanding your buyer journey or in your case, audience journey and how to find. So for podcasts, what we found that works well is for you to be a guest on our podcast. You can't change mediums easily. So if you go on a podcast, because anybody who's listening to the show is a podcast listener, and I guarantee you most of them aren't just your podcast listeners, even though this is an amazing show, right? They most likely are subscribed to other podcasts. So, and this is how you find other podcasts. It's that if a guest comes on or, or we hear about it from another podcast, or I'm on Apple Podcasts anyway, so I go and look you up. That is a better strategy is not to focus on your website's SEO per se. It's, it's to how do, how do I get on the most popular show on podcast yeah. and then make sure the host mentions my podcast as well. You're going to immediately see a rise in your subscribers if that's a focus, obviously. It kind of triggered a question or a thought that I had too is like how, and I saw this in the G2 rankings when VisMe showed up there. How does Respana work with rating and review sites or any other sort of third-party mm-hmm. testimonial or product review? I guess, how does that intersect with a company's overall SEO strategy? 
So reviews, since they're third-party platforms, obviously having good reviews helps. You know, they're they're mentioning you, and and then Google pulls them in your little snippet and stuff like that. That's great. What responders in particular, it basically helps you find relevant websites or publications in your space, gets you the contact information to the right person to reach out. So a good example of this is how I landed this interview with you. So we can go through that. So exactly what our team did was to find other founders who go on as a guest. And the reason why we do it instead of just doing podcast keyword searches is because that's how we find much better quality podcasts that way. Because if a another SaaS founder uh, is going as a guest on a podcast, it's most likely they're also going on other podcasts, not just that one. And they're hired, like hiring like PR agencies paying thousand dollars a month they ordered on the research for us and did the work. So reverse engineer that. So they basically, so they found Christina, I think founder of Vanta, who goes on podcasts a lot. And I'm sure they have a PR team that does this for her, that, that yep. reaches, reaches out and books her interviews. So what Responder does, you just, you're like, hey, give me all the interviews Christina's been a guest on over the past year. And it, it goes and finds you the podcast, filters out the ones that aren't popular and uh, gets you the contact information of the host and writes an email and personalizes it and then also <laughs> listens to the episode using whisper transcribes the audio summarizes it <laughs> so you know exactly what they talked about and then you can send a highly personalized email to the podcast host and say hey i loved your interview with christina vanta i know their story i know how to grew i know we just dropped 10 million before the race it's really inspiring and by the way i'm wondering if you're accepting new guests on the show I've got another cool founder i want to put you in touch with and so that's a, so I mean, that's a just one strategy, right? Not out of a dozen different ways in how we do outreach. But that, that's one thing that I thought would be interesting since, uh, since we were doing it right huge. now. Huge. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And also, I'm thinking selfishly about the inverse of that, right? Like I'm thinking about the shows that my guests have been on, where it's uh-huh. like, hey, as a host, those are conversations yeah. I should be having, right? I should be looking exactly. at the shows that Christina's been on to see. There you, you go. Know, so that's actually very interesting. I didn't even think of that. So that's that's the one cool thing. It's like every day I'm learning new different ways and how, how other people are using our platform. So no, this this would be an excellent idea. You can actually go on and you can mention that in the email. You can say, I actually had Christina on the show and I was wondering if you're looking for new guests. And I would love to, you know, either make an intro to other founders that I know in my network or more than have to come on the show myself and you know, offer value first. That's that's our motto. Yeah, and that's how it's easy. And, and I told our team to Stop doing outreach for this year. So we're done because I have one interview booked. every week. You're I'm booked till the end of the year. Booked. I can't do any more. And it, the reason why we did this is because you were like, hey, I'm ready to record now. I'm like, great, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> so we, we're no longer doing outreach because I'm booked till the end of the year. So the success rate, so I think we've got a 20% success rate or something like that. It's out it's of huge. Like, yeah. We got my gullible ass. I was like, you know what? This is, it's like, all right, let's do this. No, because it was really well done and really thoughtful. And it's cool to hear the actual tactical execution of how you pulled it off. And it's, it's gotten me thinking, because, you know, whenever I go on somebody else's show or I'll have a guest on asking for referrals, you know, who else would you recommend? Like Jesse Lipson from Levitate had him on and he was like, oh, I've got a, you know, I know somebody that'd be great, right? That word of mouth is super strong, but yeah, 100%. I feel like there's ways that you could tap the network. Okay, this is your first time at the helm. What is one mistake that you've made as a first-time founder, and what did you learn from that experience? I know you told me to be prepared for this, but to be honest with you, there are so many mistakes we've made. <laughs> yeah. We probably made so many more bad decisions than good ones at the beginning. 
there's one that's relatively recent, and, and I was just talking about this today, and that it was people always say ship and iterate later, ship and iterate later. And that I am a true believer in that because the first version of Respondent we shipped was like put together with duct tape. And when we put together Respondent 1.0, which was us coming out of beta, it, we were under a lot of pressure by other team members in the team. And they're like, hey, let's get this out the door, yada, yada, yada. And right before our lead engineer went on vacation on a sailing trip that had no network for a week, and we had pushed the launch back so many times until like the last week, we made the decision to go live without us being like nearly done enough QA testing now in retrospect. And that started a whole month of a storm of unsatisfied customers and like, hey, why is this button not working? Of me having sleepless nights, being on our intercom 90% of the day and having our poor other engineers <laughs> overworked, working 16 hour days, trying to plug holes. Now, fast forward to today, we have our Responda 2.0 going live, hopefully this weekend. And, <laughs> but we've learned our lesson. So we've basically done over a month of testing. And that's just me carrying some PTSD from the last launch to make sure it's rock solid. And we're just keeping our fingers crossed because I, I honestly can't poke any more holes into this. It, it works and solid and stuff that it's significantly better. And we're, it's just a problem. We get so excited about getting something out the door and getting our customers' hands on it, then we sort of forget that existing customers rarely like change. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we've made is as soon as you have that one customer that knows how to use it and they're happy with it, it's a big risk to throw that out the window and then say, hey, here's a new interface that's better, but carry some bugs. So spending more time in QA, that's, that's one thing. Uh, I, I highly recommend. I don't, I don't wish that on my worst enemy, what I went through. So <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, no, I feel like there's a natural tendency to just want to, I mean, you're either, it feels like it's very polarizing. It's like you, you wait and you don't ship anything mm -hmm. or you ship too early. So is the plan for this week, are the, your existing customers, you're going to migrate everybody to the, to the 2.0 experience? Yeah. Is that the plan? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. It's slightly less intensive as the last update because last update also carries some infrastructure updates. This one is no infrastructure. It's just an yeah. interface and, and some new functionality. So less stressful. Um, on, but yeah. <laughs> on the positive end, at least people give a shit too. I feel like that's also part of it. It's yeah. like if they really care, it's like if they didn't care that if it was crickets, maybe we need to... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to rethink what we're doing here, but I think that's also a really good sign. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair. But we have some agencies that like that run their agency on our platform. So it's like yeah. not a nice to have software. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, yeah. and they, they make sure we know if something's yeah. not working. All right. So, rounded it out. I know we're coming to the end of the time here. And i super appreciative of you making the time. First of all, just hacking my inbox and also just putting <laughs> together just a killer episode. You kind of alluded to what's next for Respondo with this release, but then was there anything else that you wanted to plug? No, I mean, we're sort of moving towards full automation. I think that like with state of AI being where it is, it's in baby steps. I'm very excited to what we can do in the, over the course of the next few years in terms of our productivity skyrocketing. And I think both in terms of development and also the products itself and, and basically taking that human element out of the day-to-day -day and kind of more of a supervisory role 
and, and sort of led the software figure out what are some of the best channels to get the word out about the company. And that's sort of the direction. Obviously, we're still probably a year or two away from that, but it's not finally to the stage. Technology reached the stage that now we don't think that's crazy and it's like possible. Yeah. So I'm very excited uh, to see you know what, what the next Respond 3.0 is going to look like. Again, appreciate you coming on the show. When you guys get to 3.0, we'll have to have you back on and just jam, brainstorm, and iterate on other hacks that I can, you know, hopefully it'll be more than my mom listening to this show. <laughs> but uh, no, but yeah. but you're doing great. I mean, you should be on a boat right now after the exit. I don't even know what you're doing here. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, man, I think part of this is I kind of asked myself, we've been doing this for about a year and a half now, too, just uh, getting a little vulnerable. But I think what I got away from was I genuinely get a lot of energy from connecting with founders that are really building awesome things. And, you know, when you go through a vesting period, like I love Culture Amp, the great company, you just you miss you just miss being around that energy, right? Like it's it's kind of addictive that way. So it's really cool to right. have founders on that are passionate about what they're building and they're doing. And I'm able to keep most of my hair because <laughs> I've felt that pain. But right. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm excited what you do next, man. I know, you know, culture is probably not the end of the world for you. So we're waiting for the next banger. Uh, Let's go. When we're at that point, I'll have to share a little bit more, but a little bit of time yet. But sounds like a plan. Well, uh, all the best to you and the team. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to catch up here again soon. I appreciate that. Thank you again all for right, having me. For all right. That is a wrap. Again, shout out to Mr. Farzad Rashidi, the entire team at Respana. I love episodes like that where there's some actual tactical things that founders can take away to grow their customer base, their audience. Uh, so if you are a founder looking to grow and exploring SEO as a strategy, strongly encourage you to check out Respana. Uh, this week on the show, actually next Friday, I'm going to be out of the office. We are, uh, we're taking a, a family trip, so we won't have an episode next Friday, but coming back, I've got a couple of interviews lined up with some exceptional founders so be on the lookout for those uh, the week after next, heading into the holiday season. In the meantime, again, appreciate everyone tuning in. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. Keep getting that See them dollar signs. Hustle. Grind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin state of mind. Assassin state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. I can change. One phone call.